Thank you, Charlie. We almost doubled from last year, which in itself was a challenge as we uh, dealt with that many students. But what a great and exhausting and wonderful week it was. And there are a ton of stories, but uh, there's a fun one in the first service. Uh, Robert Wilhite, rancher, was in Dimmit this last week and talking to someone. I don't even know who it was. And he said, oh, we had a kid go to camp. And uh, he's one of those uh, extra grace required students. You know what I'm talking about? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, he didn't want to go. He was belligerent and obstinate, all those things. Uh, but you know those bracelets we had, all, uh, many of us had on with kids' names on it? When he got there, he saw one of the staffers had his name on, and it completely floored him that someone was praying for him. And it transformed him, and, and he uh, gave his life to Christ that week as well. So just the part you played in just the prayer uh, transformed lives as well. So it was a great, uh, a great week, and again, a, a camp that uh, we helped to start. And uh, what a what a great week we had. So thank you, Charlie. Thank you to everyone who helped out. Uh, it was definitely a team effort. Uh, it was a lot of work, and now on to next year. But uh, well, this morning uh, we are uh, starting a new sermon series, next steps, and. Uh, looking at where we as a people of God are called uh, to kind of take a step of faith, where we're called to, to kind of reach out and to, to help in our journey of faith. And, and, and I love our scripture this morning. It says this, So give thanks to the Lord for He is good. His steadfast love endures forever. That's why we're here this morning, to give thanks to God for His steadfast love that endures forever. What an amazing thing, an amazing God that we serve. And I've been here at at First Canyon now for six years, which is hard to believe in itself. I'm starting my seventh year, and I'm constantly amazed at how God has blessed this church and blessed us as a people. We have so many gifts and graces uh, that he has given us, and we have been called to use those gifts for God's kingdom. Uh, We have been called to use those gifts to glorify God. All of us. Each one of us. And so I want us to talk about that calling a little bit. And I'm going to talk about two things specifically when it, when it deals with this calling. That first, each of us individually has been called by God. Each one of us. And, it, and we have been called to use those gifts and graces that God has give, given us for His kingdom. And in that calling... In the use of those gifts and graces, we should be drawing nearer to God. As we take steps of faith, as we grow in love, and we call that process uh, sanctification. It's a big theological word. All it means is, is growing more and more like God. What it means is that we are learning to love as God loves. It's a journey of faith. We can also call it holy love. Sanctification is learning to have holy love, to love people as God loves people. And, and we saw that uh, last week as we learned about students, and some of them were difficult. They were extra grace required. But we learned how to love them as God loved. And that's the process of sanctification or holy love. So each of us has been called individually to take steps of faith. And as, as Methodists, this is kind of, a hallmark of our faith. 
This is uh, what the Methodist church is focused on, this process of sanctification, this process of growing in grace and in holy love, and, and to take next steps. Uh, and I'm going to be challenging all of us over the next several weeks to take steps of faith, to grow in holy love and in sanctification as we get ready to launch our new traditional service and relaunch this service as well. But there's a second part of our calling as well. Uh, you know, we've each been called individually, as individuals, to use our gifts and graces for the kingdom. But we are also called as a body of Christ to use our gifts and graces for the kingdom of God as well. That's the second piece that we're called as a church to grow and to take next steps as well. Because uh, just like we started Camp Nova. That was a part of this church's next step. We're starting another worship service. That's a part of our next step as a body of Christ. We're relaunching this service and redid the fellowship hall for this service. That's a part of our next steps. But we have been called by God. And we have said here at First Methodist Church that our calling is a specific one. We are called to glorify God in worship. Grow in likeness of Jesus and to give our lives in love of Jesus. That is our calling as a church. We see this as what we are called to do to fulfill our mission of making disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. So in fact, let's, let's say this together. We are called to glorify God in worship, grow in likeness of Jesus, and give our lives in love of Jesus. In fact, maybe your next step, especially if you're a leader in the church is to memorize this because everything we do should flow out of this calling. This is why we exist as a church. And so I would encourage you maybe uh, to memorize that statement uh, because everything we do goes back to our calling. And, and today we're going to be focusing on the first part of our calling, to glorify God in worship. And a verse that we're looking at uh, is from 1 Chronicles. It's a great verse it's going to be our guide this morning. And this, the verse that was read earlier from 1 Chronicles is actually a hymn of praise that King David wrote during an important time of the nation of Israel. And so uh, you remember King David. He was the, the king after the first king of Israel, which was Saul. Saul was unfaithful to God. And so David replaced him as king. And as David is becoming king, he... Uh, goes in and he conquers the city of Jerusalem. And Jerusalem becomes the capital of the nation of Israel. This is the first time Jerusalem becomes the capital city of Israel during King David's reign. And so David wanted to move the Ark of the Covenant from its location, it was located in another city, into Jerusalem as they've conquered Jerusalem. And and you, you've seen the Ark of the Covenant before. It, the Ark was the symbol of the presence of of God for the people. You remember when the people of Israel were wandering through the wilderness for 40 years, God told them to make an ark and a tabernacle, a tent of meeting, and place that ark inside the center, the Holy of Holies. And when they did that and they worshiped God and they did the sacrifices, God's presence came upon, presence came upon the ark and it covered it. And it was like smoke and fire. And that was the symbol of God's presence with the people. It was a holy thing. And inside the Ark of the Covenant, they had the, the tablets, the Ten Commandments uh, that God had given Moses. Also inside the, 
the ark was some of the manna, the, the bread that they ate throughout that wilderness journey. And, and Moses' staff was in there as well. It was a continual reminder of God's presence with him. So here... David wants to bring the ark, which is in another city, and he's bringing it into Jerusalem. Well, after a disastrous first attempt at doing this, they went back and read the law again and said, okay, we did that wrong. Let's see what God told us to do in the first place when we touch this thing or don't touch this thing. But they finally get it into Jerusalem, and David had set up the special tent to house the Ark of the Covenant, and they begin to worship and celebrate and to make sacrifices to God for the ways that he has blessed them. And, and, and part of that was David wrote this hymn, part of which we read this morning, to, to celebrate and worship together. And as an aside... Uh, in case you don't know, it was during David, King David's time, that the first church, we had the first recorded church choir. David, for this event, had some of the leaders, those musicians, he said, bring together a choir so as we bring this ark in, people will be singing and playing music. And in fact, as another aside, uh, many scholars believe that First Chronicles itself was written by one of those musicians because of the focus on music throughout and, and what they did as well and the importance of it. But that's another story. So we hear the words of this song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations. His marvelous works among all the peoples. What stands out to you about this verse? For me, it's a, it's a couple of things. First, it's this. Sing. Sing to the Lord. Singing is a part of worship and has been a part of worship for the people of God since at least King David, if not before. We are called to sing to God. And as Methodists, again, we have a long history of singing. In fact, our hymn book, we don't use it in this service very much, but our hymn book has been the primary source outside of the Bible where we as Methodists have gotten our theology. Because early on in our history, you know, a lot of people uh, didn't read very well and didn't have access to scriptures. But it was through those hymns that they learned about who God is. And it is through singing of these hymns and worship songs that we learn about the character of who God is. We are called to sing. Second, it says this. Tell of his salvation from day to day. Are you telling of God's salvation from day to day? Are you declaring to everyone you come in contact with? See, this is a part of worship I think we forget. We easily see that, okay, worship includes singing, and we understand that worship might involve a creed or, or prayers or communion and a sermon, but worship is also declaring God's deeds, declaring His salvation, telling others, if we are to glorify God in worship, then a part of that glorifying God is telling others about God's salvation. Declaring His works among the nations. How are you doing at this part of worship? Because this is important. But I've noticed that, that we Methodists, we struggle with this. We get a little nervous about this whole declaring thing, this telling other people thing. Because, and we get uptight, but, but we shouldn't get uptight. And here's the reason why we shouldn't get uptight about this. Because I believe God has created each human being to worship. Whether you're a Christian or not. 
God has designed us. Our DNA is designed to worship. But the problem is, outside of God, we tend to find other things to worship. We will worship something. But our goal, part of our calling is to help people understand that they're called to worship God. If they don't know what they're supposed to worship, that we direct them into the path so they can have something that really fills their soul when they worship. That's part of our call because we are designed to worship. But let's continue to read on. It says this, For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is to be revered above all gods. For all the gods of the people are idols. That's that worship. They're, they're worshiping something. But those are idols. But the Lord made the heavens. Honor and majesty are before him. Strength and joy are in his place. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the people. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Let's say it together. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. See, God is supposed to be glorified. So we've seen that worship involves singing His praises. It involves telling others of His greatness and glorifying His name. And, and in it is an attitude. And I've talked about this so often. There's a, an attitude of expectation. An attitude of humbleness. An attitude that we, we come before the living God in worship. We place Him first. We recognize God is God and we are not. We come humbly before Him. We honor Him. We acknowledge that He is our strength and our joy. We revere Him. That's the way we should come to worship. And then the very next line, it goes on to say this. Bring an offering and come before Him. Bring an offering and come before Him. See, part of glorifying God in worship is understanding that an important part of worship is actually giving Him Money. Bring an offering. Bring your best. Bring your first. You know, giving God money is not just to pay the bills of the church. It is an act of worship. A part of worship that acknowledges that God is king and is worthy of our best and our first. And, and what does it say? It says, bring an offering and then come before him. It doesn't say, oh, go to worship and then scrounge around in your pockets to see if you have any spare change. Right? No. Because if God is king, then we come before him in reverence and obedience with an offering first, ready, prepared. Right? You know, this is hard for us to understand because we don't have kings. But if we were under a king and, and we were invited to come before the king and we came before the king and we didn't have something to give to the king, would he be pleased? You'd do it once, and then you'd never do it again, because you probably wouldn't live after that. We serve a king. We should honor him with our best, with our first. It's not an afterthought, but let's continue. It says this, worship the Lord in holy splendor. Tremble before him all the earth. The world is firmly established. It shall never be moved. Let the heavens be glad and the, let the earth rejoice. And let them say among the nations, the Lord is king. Let the sea roar and all that fills it. Let the field exult and everything in it. Then shall the trees of the forest sing for joy before the Lord. For he comes to judge the earth. Oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His steadfast love endures forever. 
Let's say it together. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His steadfast love endures forever. The Lord is king. We tremble before him. We rejoice with the heavens. We give thanks knowing that his steadfast love endures forever. This is our calling, individually and as a church, to glorify God in worship. Since the time of King David and even before, we have been called to to gather as a people of God, to glorify, to sing, to pray, to praise, to offer ourselves and offer our best. So, what is your next step? What is your next step in this process of sanctification, in this process of growing closer and closer to God? Well, here's the thing. Each of us has a different next step to take. Uh, But all of us are being called to take steps of faith, to grow in grace. So I want to give you several things to consider. And in fact, if you have your Connect card, you might get it out because this might be part of what your next step is. And you might want to write it down on the back of it. There's a space for a next step. Maybe God is already talking to you about a next step. But for, me, for, for some of you, maybe your next step needs to just be on focusing on showing up on Sunday morning. Making it a discipline to be here every Sunday. Because we are a body of Christ that is better together than apart. So you have a role to play. And if you're not here, you can't play that role. So maybe your next step is just to be intentional about being here every Sunday. That's a great next step. For others of you, you're, you're here most Sundays. But maybe your next step might actually be not to show up physically, but to show up spiritually. To show up prepared. To show up with an attitude and an expectation that God is indeed present. To show up with humility. To show up with expectation. Maybe that's your next step. Is Hey, I'm going to be here and I'm going to be here engaged. And really expecting God to move. Because God will move if we allow him. Maybe for some of you, and, and this is probably for all of us. Your next step is to tell of God's glorious deeds to the world. And in fact, I want each of you to be thinking to yourself. Who am I going to invite to worship on August 27th when we launch our new traditional worship and relaunch this service at 1050. This is what I want you thinking about now. This is all of our next steps. Who am I inviting to church? But here's the thing about that invitation. You're going to be thinking about, and we're going to give you some handouts, some other things we're going to be talking about it this whole month about how you can do that properly and correctly. Because uh, you might know of someone who doesn't have a church and you might invite them to church and you're talking to them and you say, hey, we got a great church, by the way. And we have worship at 8.30, traditional service. And we have worship at 10.50, a traditional service. We also have a modern service at 10.50. What service would you likely come to? Now they might tell you, you know what? I like getting up early on Sunday morning and I love traditional worship. Guess where you're going to be in worship August 27th? You're going to be at the traditional service at 8.30, right? Right, Because it's not about you. It's about glorifying God by telling others. Right? Now that doesn't mean you have to be there the whole time from then on. But it does mean you're inviting them and saying, Hey, I traditionally go to, I tradi- get it, I traditionally go to the modern service at 10.50, but we're glad you're here. Let me get you plugged in. 
and then you can come back here. Or they might want to go to the modern service. It doesn't matter. But do you see how that works? It's not about you. We still worship. But we're about inviting others to be a part of this because we want them to know what it means to truly worship because we have all been created to worship. Maybe your next step is to show up with an offering to worship and not just expect to receive, but to show up expecting to give back to God first. We give back to God first for all that he has already given to us, right? Maybe you need to just begin to cultivate a heart of thanksgiving when you show up, to have that sense of God has blessed me. Whatever it is, it doesn't matter. But our calling is to take steps of faith towards God. And I would just encourage you to take one of them. You can choose all of them if you want to, but take small steps. We're a little bit uh, more certain to accomplish that if we just take one step at a time. But that's my calling for all of us, that we understand the deep love of our Heavenly Father, that His steadfast love indeed endures forever. Let us pray.